Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. We are in our second week of a series we've entitled Leadership. And if you missed last week, last week we talked about the heart of a leader. And when you give your life to Jesus, Ezekiel 36 tells us that God will take your heart of stone and he will give you a heart of flesh. And then he says, I'll put a new spirit within you to cause you to obey me and I will be your God. And so last week we talked about the heart of a leader. And when we're saved, what Jesus does is he shifts us from people who want to be served, but rather people who want to serve other people. And so this week, we're going to take a look at the influence that Jesus had, because I really believe that Jesus is the greatest leader of all time. He has had the greatest impact on the world of all time, and um, he influenced people. And so today, we're going to take a look at a guy who Jesus influenced. And, um, and this is a guy, as we open up the book of Acts today, um, probably you may have not heard of him. You may have heard his name, but you probably have no idea why he's important. Um, he's not exactly you know, talked about a lot. He didn't write any books of the Bible that we know of, um, but he's an important guy. In fact, I would dare say that it was his leadership that shifted the spirit of the church. And today what we're going to do is we're going to go to Acts chapter 11. Let me give you a little context. In this passage, what's happening is Peter has gone and he had a dream from God to go and preach to the Gentiles. Up until this point, that he was preaching to Jews. And so Peter leaves, goes, preaches to the Gentiles, and they come to faith. And um, he then reports back to the council and the council's upset. They criticize him because he went and he ate dinner with Gentiles. And he says, who am I to stand in the way of what God is doing? Amen? And he's like, what am, who, am I, who am I to stand in the way of God, what God is doing? God told me to do it, so I did it. And it says that they kind of, they backed off and, and they, they, were, they agreed and they celebrated. And so Peter was a, a powerful leader, but I'm not talking about Peter. At the same time, the, the church was being persecuted. Uh, the, the stoning of Stephen, a great a great man of God had happened and the church was scattered. And I just believe that the enemy wants to scatter the church. Bad news for him, he can't stop the church. Amen. And, um, and so he can't stop it. That's why we keep going. That's why COVID didn't shut this place down because we just believe what God is doing and we're gonna keep reaching people and he can separate us all he wants, but the more people we send out, the more people we reach. And so we're in Acts 11. And, uh, and I want to read this to you. I think it's really, really powerful. I believe it's going to encourage you today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. I'm going to go Acts chapter 11. At this time, the Lord's hand had been moving and was with people. And it says this in verse 22. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas, say Barnabas. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord. Love it with all their hearts. Watch 24. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. I just believe that some of you today, you walked in and you've, you've, you've been hurting. You've, you've questioned whether God is still here, still present, still moving. There's been some things you've been dealing with at home. You walked in discouraged, but here's what I believe. I'm gonna speak of your life. Today, you're gonna leave encouraged. Today, you will be encouraged. Anybody receive that? That's the title of the message. Turn to your neighbor. Just tell them you're going to be encouraged today. You will be encouraged. That's what I want to talk about. And, uh, and we're going to take a look at the, the life of Barnabas. We're going to talk about the spirit of a leader. So if you want to get a subtitle in there, it's the spirit of a leader. And I find Barnabas really interesting because what you find out if you study the book of Acts is in Acts chapter four, he was not called Barnabas. 
In fact, that wasn't his name. But in Acts chapter 11, we're referring to him as Barnabas. What happened? Well, if you go back to Acts chapter four, Barnabas was renamed by the apostles to Barnabas. So his name was Joseph and he was renamed to Barnabas, which literally means son of encouragement. Wow. Like there was something about his life so much so that when people like looked at Barnabas and they saw how he was, they saw the spirit that was within him. He was such an encourager and such a builder of people that they literally renamed him. I mean, it became his new name. It became his identity. It became his, his calling. Like, I mean, they, they renamed him. And, and I just pray that we would be a Barnabas type of church that we would be an encouraging church, that when people walked in, they're not greeted with people who don't believe in them, who don't want anything to do with them, that don't take the time to get to know them. But when they're here, they show up, they would say, there's something different about the spirit of this house. I don't even know the name of the church. Renovation, innovation, don't even matter. But there's something different about the spirit in this house where like people actually smile at me and people look me in the eye and they give me a hug and, and they believe in me that this would be a Barnabas church where we don't tear people down, we build people up. Like we don't call people out, we call them to something higher. Like when we see the good in people, we believe that the best is yet to come. We remind them of what God says, that like this would be a church that would be full of Barnabas type leaders, that we would declare the promise of God over them, that we would, we would declare Joshua 1 that be strong and courageous, like for your God is with you. Like when people come in here and they leave, they should never leave tore down. They should always leave built up. Like I want to be an encouraging church. And Barnabas had such an impact on the people around him. <laughs> they had to rename him. So what would your name be? Like if people named you by your spirit, I remember in middle school, anybody got any nicknames? Yeah, I remember in middle school, they nicknamed me Coach Cody. My, my, my boys on my team, my other 11-year-olds named me Coach Cody. I thought that was a compliment. But come to find out it wasn't. The reason they named me Coach Cody is because I was cocky. And I always telling them what to do. They hated me. I had no friends. I mean, that's the truth. Like, they were cool with me on the court, but I was the one always telling everybody else what to do like I was a professional ball player at 11 years old. Like, that was my, like, I just had that kind of, like, spirit of like, this get it, guys. Like that was my personality. You can probably see it a little bit right now, right? So what would your name be? I mean, mine was Coach Cody. I just started to thinking, you know, maybe your name would be Negative Nancy or Critical Karen. Come on, somebody. Yeah, Cocky Chris. <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm naming you right now, my bad. Still love you. But what would your name be? Like when people look at you, they, they see something. Like your spirit shows something. So what would, what would your name be? You know, it says that Barnabas literally meant son of encouragement. Do you know what encourage means? E-N-N means to place into. In, place into courage. What encourage means is you're literally placing courage into someone. Like, would we be people that when people come in without hope and they're hurting, that we would place a courage into them that they did not have before? That like we would build people up. Like literally when people encounter you, you you're declared like you will be encouraged when you leave my presence. I'm gonna place that into you. I'm gonna give you courage where you need courage. I'm gonna give you faith where you need to have faith. 
The idea of discourage, dis in the Greek literally means to kill. So what does that mean? It means to kill courage. Like I never want people to say about me that I'm the person that killed their faith. They killed their courage. That made them feel worse about themselves. Listen, we got enough we got enough bad news. When people walk in here, I want them to hear good news. Like I've never been encouraged by Fox or CNN. Come on, somebody. Like we got enough of that. Like we, we just need, when people come in here, they know, listen, I'm gonna be built up. I'm gonna be strengthened. Now that doesn't mean we're gonna tell them everything they wanna hear. It's gonna be, we're gonna tell them who they need to know. And so I, I wanna be a church that like we, we're just known for like encouraging people. And so then here's the question. How do we become a Barnabas type leader? I mean, how did Barnabas, like, how did he have such an impact on people where they changed his name? Like, there's, there's got to be more than just the spirit inside of you. There's got to be fruit that's showing through you. And, and, so, and so they changed his name to Barnabas. And if you want to be a great leader and you want people to know you by the right spirit, I don't know about you. I, I want to be known not just for how good I am, but I want to be known for the spirit of God living inside of me. And, and if you want to be a Barnabas-type leader, I think it starts where it started with Barnabas. Why and how did they give him that name? Well, if you go back to Acts 4, what's happening in the church is it's getting its start and it's getting its root. The gospel's being preached. Thousands of people are coming to Jesus. And so let me just say this to you. If you've got a problem with mega church and thousands of people worshiping God, you're going to hate heaven. I'm just telling you, like there's thousands of people. And so oh, I like the small church. No, no, no. The first church had 3,000 believers in it in a day. So I'm just going to go ahead and warn you. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm stepping on your toes a little bit. But I'm just letting you know. And, and so the church is growing. People are, are sharing everything. Nobody has needs. Like the people have this spirit about them that's so different than what the world offered, what religion offered, what Judaism offered, like what pagans offered. Like there was such a spirit about them that it said they had no needy person among them. They would sell things, share things, whatever they had to do to make sure the people they loved were cared for. I don't know about you. I want that kind of spirit. I want people to look at me and go, man, he, like what they called Barnabas, he was a good man. I want to be a good leader, don't you? And so here's what good leaders know. What Barnabas did in Acts chapter four, it says they called him son of encouragement, verse 37. He sold the field that he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. That's what changed his name. <laughs> Why? Because leaders are generous. Write that down. Turn to your neighbor, say, be generous. I know some of y'all get nervous, like, oh, here he goes on the giving thing again. No, 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 listen. Leaders are generous. What was Barnabas generous towards? The church. Why? Because whether you want to admit it or not, and whether you want to use the excuse of, well, I can be a Christian and not go to church, church is the plan A of God to reach the world. That is God's plan through the body of believers to go out and make a difference into the world. And so what did Barnabas do? Because he had been changed by the gospel and he acknowledged the resurrection of Jesus because God had graciously forgave him his, from his sin and lavished him in his grace, his only response was generosity. Let me tell you why. Because gratitude always produces generosity. He was grateful. Like, and it, it, was, it was a joy to him. Imagine if Barnabas would have never gave. Why is that important? Because when Barnabas gave, it allowed the church to move forward. And if Barnabas would have never given, you wouldn't have been here. Anybody thankful for a Barnabas type leader? Come on, anybody want to be a generous leader? 
Like, if, imagine, like, think about the men and women for thousands of years who said, this ain't going to be about me. It's going to be what God did in me and now what God wants to do through me. So leaders are generous with what they have. Like, aren't you thankful that there were some people at this church in this building three and a half years ago who made a declaration that this was never about a building, but about reaching people for Jesus. And so they gave us a building so that we could continue to do it. Like this is the heart of a leader is, is, is generosity. It's why Paul says this. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly reaps sparingly. Whoever sows generously reaps generously. Each of you should decide to give in your own heart not reluctantly or under pressure, under compulsion. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. He's talking about a spirit here. It's why I don't need feel the need to get up here and beg you to give. Because if I beg you to give, you're missing out on the blessing of generosity. Like if I beg you to be, oh, come on, please, just please give. No, 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 we don't need you. We're not gonna beg you to give. We're gonna tell you that you get to give. Right, like we, we want you to see that like when you're giving because you feel like you have to, oh, it's just the religious thing to do. No, no, the Pharisees did that too. What God is saying is he's saying, listen, I love a cheerful giver. I love the spirit of a giver that realizes I'm not just gonna consume, I'm gonna contribute. And so, so leaders are, are generous. Then he says this, God is able to bless you abundantly. And that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work as it is written. They have given freely. They scatter the gifts of the poor and their righteousness endures forever. Now he, God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of your righteousness. Anybody want that? Okay, let me make sure you understand why. You'll be enriched in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. It's like, oh, I want God to bless me. Me too. Why does he bless us? So that you can be generous on every occasion and through your generosity, it will result in thanksgiving to God. It's never about me. It's about what God wants to do through me. And imagine this, imagine people thanking God for you because you had this spirit about you that was so different that it wasn't about it like an obligation. It was about an opportunity that I get to be a part of. And so Barnabas graciously gave whatever he had, sold the field, took it to the apostles and be like, use it because I want more people to know the God that I know. And so here's the shift, write this down. We're gonna shift from greedy to generous. This means like, well, I'm, I'm not greedy. Okay, let me put it this way. Shift from simply consuming to contributing. Shift from going, man, this is all about me and my preference. So this is all about God and his purpose. I love what Proverbs 11 says. It says, a generous person will prosper. He who refreshes others will be refreshed. So it says this, it says when, when Barnabas, when he arrived and he saw what the grace of God had done in other people, says he was glad. And then he encouraged them to remain pure, to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Like notice this, Barnabas's joy was not about Barnabas. In fact, his joy was when he went and did what God called him to do, left his place of comfort, went to the church, and he saw all that God was doing, and it filled his heart with joy. And he's like, man, I gotta, I gotta encourage him. I gotta encourage him to keep going. I gotta encourage him to, like, to continue to move forward like they can do this. God's with them. God's moving. And what he knew was this. Number two, that leaders call people up, but they don't call people out. 
that they call people up. They celebrate other people. He, he looks at them and he's like, hey, there's something in you. And he's encouraging them to continue to persevere, to remain faithful. But see, listen, encouragement has to be spoken. You, you can't miss that. Encouragement has to be spoken. A, a culture of encouragement cannot grow in a society of silence. Like, you know why? Because silence creates questions, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like if you text me and I don't text you back. <laughs> yeah. People wondering, what, do, do they care? Do they love me? Like, what's up? Silence creates questions. You actually have to speak a word of encouragement. Now, I'm not listening to me. I'm not just talking about flattery. There is a difference between flattery and encouragement. Encouragement builds people up. Flattery manipulates them. So it's not just going, oh, I just want to tell you what you want to hear. No, no, no. I'm not talking about just patting people on the butt and saying, here's what you want to hear. No, I'm saying, no, I'm going to tell you not just what you want to hear, but who you need to know. And so he says, I'm going to encourage the people, I gotta speak it. Husbands, here's what that means. When your wife comes to you and is like, you never tell me I'm beautiful. You don't tell me I'm lovely. You don't say anything like that. You can't be like, well, I mean, I married you. <laughs> no, you gotta speak it. It's like, well, I said that one time. No, 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 like you gotta, you gotta speak words of encouragement. We're talking about encouragement. I'm talking about building people up. First Thessalonians 5.11, they encouraged each other and they built people up. They use their, their words as medicine of healing, not poison that kills. Like, could we be a church? Could you be a people that when people look at you and I, they don't think of anything negative. <laughs> they just see people who are going, man, everything that comes out of their mouth, I mean, they just build people up. I've never met someone who always encouraged me that I hated. But I'm gonna tell you something, a critical spirit won't change anybody. It's God's kindness that leads to repentance, Amen. And for some of us, it's like, we got, we got this critical spirit. And what I've learned is sometimes it's easier to encourage people you don't know than the ones closest to you. Why? Because it's just easy to call something out in somebody. But when you live with somebody, so listen to me, women, like when your husband decides to take out the trash and clean the house, you're going to have to say something about it. Well, I do it every week. Doesn't matter. Encourage him anyway. You want him to do it again? Encourage him. I promise you. Can I get an amen in the house, man? Amen. Amen. That's right. So here's the shift. We're going to shift from silence to speaking. We're going to speak words of encouragement. I remember about a month and a half ago, two months ago, this is, uh, I was listening to a sermon by a pastor I love a lot, and he was talking about just the impact you can have on your kids, you know, and, and uh, I've tried to make it a habit to pray over my children every, every night. I'm not perfect at that. I do my very best. Some nights you just want to get them in bed and go to bed yourself. Amen. But it was about a month and a half ago, I remember I, um, I went into Tatum's room, who's about to turn four, and um, God just dropped it in my spirit to just pray a word of encouragement over my three-year-old. Now, he don't even know half the words I'm saying, what they mean, nothing. But I just, I just decided, you know what, I'm just gonna pray, you know, the same prayer we pray at night, you know, as he thanks God for 5,000 things. <laughs> Thank you for my ice cream, my popsicles. I'm like, okay, buddy, can we go to bed? You know, um, I was like, I'm gonna pray a word of encouragement over my three-year-old. And I, uh, I got down on my knees and I grabbed his little hands. And as I'm, as I'm sitting there with him, I was like, okay, buddy, you wanna close your eyes? And he closes his eyes. And I said, God, I just, I thank you for, for my, my beautiful, amazing son. I thank you for this precious gift. 
Man, I pray that he knows how much you love him, how much I love him, how much his family loves him. I pray he knows that he's a great big brother, that he's strong, that he's smart, that he's good looking like his dad. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like his mom. And, um, and as I said amen and opened my eyes, he was smiling from ear to ear. Until I say that. Because if, if my three-year-old needs a word of encouragement, how much more do you? How much more do people around you that are carrying the weight of their family and the weight of the world and weight of the problems, like what would happen if you and I decided, I'm just gonna call people up to something higher and help them see that God loves them? Like what would happen in your family if you would just go, I'm just gonna be known as the encourager so much so they gotta rename you. They gotta rename you. Can you imagine if God never spoke? (laughs) Scary thought. Like think about it. What if God just said one time, I want you to know, I love you. And then he never spoke another word. What if he never, what if he never made another promise, just one? What if God, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what if he wouldn't have come down and had a conversation with them after they failed? What if God, when he was getting ready to flood the earth, didn't come to Noah and encourage him to look like a crazy fool to everybody else, but to build an ark and by faith would be saved? Like, what if he wouldn't have showed up to Moses when Moses was doubting and and questioning if he was called and questioning his gifts and felt underqualified? What if God didn't speak to him and just ask him, Moses, what's in your hand? What if he wouldn't have spoke to David when he was facing Goliath? What if he wouldn't have spoken to Daniel in the lion's den? What if he wouldn't have spoken to all the prophets that ushered the people of God forward in faith? What if he wouldn't have shown up to Mary and Joseph when when she got pregnant? Uh Uh-oh. What if he wouldn't have showed up to the disciples after the resurrection when they all doubted and he showed up and told them to have faith? What if he wouldn't have showed up in you? See, encouragement's gotta be spoken. And great leaders understand that our role is to call people up to something higher, not tear them down. Come on, amen to that. Like, you, you, I never want you to leave here feeling worse about yourself. That doesn't mean I'm not going to call you on your crap. No amens. Because <laughs> you know I will. I'm not talking about flattery. I'm talking about encouragement. We need to be encouraged. And I just declare over your life today, you will be encouraged. I love the definition of Barnabas. It says, Barnabas was a good man. Is there any men in the house that want somebody to say that about them? Like, I'm a good man. I'm a good leader. I'm a good woman. Then he says this, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Here's what Barnabas knew. And here was the case in his life and it has to be the case in yours. Leaders are full of the Holy Spirit and faith. They're full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Here's why that's important. You can't be full of yourself and full of the Holy Spirit at the same time. The power in a good leader is not their own gifts. It's not about me having a good gift to preach. It's about me having a good God to preach about. So it's not about me and you being like, oh man, look how good we are. I'm so talented. I'm so gifted. I can do all this stuff. No, no, no. There's no power in me apart from the Spirit of God. And there's no power in you apart from the Spirit of God. So he's saying the the, the good leaders, Barnabas was a good man. Why? Because he was generous, because he encouraged people, and because he was full of the Holy Spirit. So what does it mean to be full of the Holy Spirit? 
I'm going to give you a couple of things. Because I think for the longest time, the church is so scared to talk about what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit because it makes us a little uncomfortable. Number one, let me tell you what happens. When you give your life to Jesus, Ezekiel 36 says that God takes out your heart of stone and he gives you a heart of flesh. He takes out your old spirit and gives you a new spirit that causes you to bear fruit. The Bible says that you will be known by your fruit. What's that mean? You'll be known by the spirit you carry. So it says when you and I are in Christ and we're full of the spirit, what what that means is he deposits his spirit within us and it's the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And it's our job to not quench the spirit and drown it out. It's our job to cultivate the spirit so that it can grow. That when people look at you, they see someone who's loving. Come on, I don't know about you, but when people look at me, I want them to see me as a loving father. I want want them to see me as a joyful leader. I want them to see me as somebody who's gonna have peace no matter what life brings me. I want them to see me have patience with my kids when they're on my last nerves. I want them to see me be kind in the way I talk. I want them to see the goodness of God through me by being obedient. I want them to see me be faithful to my wife and faithful to my God and faithful to my church, faithful to the people that matter in my life, faithful to people I don't even know. I want them to see a gentle spirit. I want them to see somebody who's self-controlled and doesn't always gratify everything I want in the moment. Don't you? This is also talking about, there was something about Barnabas that they saw. And I believe that it was the gift that Barnabas had. What gift did he have? He had the gifts of the spirit. And the point isn't what gift you have. The point is whether you use it or not. And what the Bible teaches is that every single one of us, if you're in Christ, God gives you all of us different gifts. And we're called to use those gifts. Why? To strengthen other people, to encourage other people. And so there's spiritual gifts listed out, Romans chapter 12. You can go there, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're just gonna go, hey, this is what the gifts of the Spirit actually look like. This is what they are. So they go through this list of gifts and I'm just gonna summarize here. If it's a gift of serving, then the Bible says serve. If it's a gift of teaching, teach. If it's a gift of encouragement, encourage. It's a gift of giving, give generously. If it's leading, then lead. If it's mercy, then do it cheerfully. Now, some of y'all are like, woo, I only have to have one of those. Well, if it ain't my gift to give, I guess I ain't got to. That's not what it's saying. You're still called to. Well, I'm not, my gift isn't mercy. Yeah, but you're still called to show mercy to a God who showed you mercy. But the point is for some of us, it just comes easy. For some of you, serving comes easy. People are like, man, how do you just serve? And you're like, it's just what I was made to do. Some of you, it doesn't hurt you to give. You're like, man, this is the best thing I get to be a part of in the world. I'll give whatever I need to give. For others of you, it's, you're, you're a leader and people look at you and they're like, how do you know that? First Corinthians 12 says there's a gift of wisdom. There's a gift of knowledge where you just have an ability to be able to like solve problems and have discernment and be able to know like what to do in situations that most people would struggle with. But God's given you the gift of wisdom. Why? So you can help other people be wise. You tracking with me? He says there's gifts of wisdom, of knowledge, of faith, of healing, of discerning spirits, of speaking in tongues, of interpreting tongues. And here's the point. I don't know what your gift is, but what I do know is good leaders use them. That's it. Good leaders use the gifts that God gives. And so Barnabas was full of the Holy Spirit. There was something on his life where they changed his name. 
and faith. So it's full of the Holy Spirit and faith. So the shift goes from self to spirit and the shift goes from fear to faith. I'm not gonna be driven by what makes me afraid. I'm gonna be driven by God. Why? Because I haven't been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So I'm gonna allow the spirit of God inside of me to use the gifts that God has given me to strengthen and build up other people. And here's the amazing thing. No gift is better than the other. And people get so jealous and will talk about, oh, I wish I had that gift. I may have a gift for teaching, but I don't have a gift of encouragement like some of you do. So how do, how do you know your gift? Well, I think first off you ask and you pray. I think some other questions you can ask is you can go, hey, what are, what's the thing that I'm good at that aligns with God's word that really comes easy to me but difficult to everybody else? What's the thing when you do it, people are just like, man, you were made to do that. That'd be a great place to start. And I think then, if you still don't know, you can ask God, God, would you reveal to me how you've gifted me so I can make a difference for you? And then I love this, ready? Verse 25, after it says this about Barnabas, it says, then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. Say Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. Watch verse 26. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. Let me make this point. I'm gonna break it down. Here's what leaders do. Leaders fight for people. They fight for people, not against people. People are not your enemy. They fight for people. You mean tell me why this is important? Because what Barnabas did is what nobody else would do. It says he went to Annie, he went, he went to Tarsus to find Saul. Who was Saul? Well, in Acts chapter 9, Saul was the man who was persecuting the church. He was responsible for the, the stonings that were happening. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, he was a Pharisee. He wanted to stop the movement of Jesus. And so what happens is on his way to Damascus, God knocks him off his horse speaks to him and changes his life, removes his heart of stone, gives him a heart of flesh, puts a new spirit in him. And here's the problem. <laughs> Everybody that had been persecuted, they doubted it. Wouldn't you? I mean, if you just, your best friend just got stoned and then the next day that dude's like, I love Jesus. You're like, I don't know. And so they were all afraid of him. No one would welcome Paul in. See, Saul, God changed his name to Paul. There's something about changing names. Don't miss that. In fact, not only did his name go from Saul to Paul and Joseph to Barnabas, but it went from the way to Christian. Didn't just give them a new identity, gave the church its identity. And so everybody was afraid of him, but Barnabas went. Don't miss this. Where would the church be if Barnabas didn't fight for Paul? There were no books written by Barnabas, but there were a lot written by Paul. You wouldn't have half your New Testament if it wasn't for Barnabas fighting for someone. And I just know there will be people that come into this church that need some people to fight for them, that they will come in addicted and they need somebody to believe in them, that they will come in hurting and they'll feel like their life is over and they'll feel like that no one can have their back and no one, they need somebody like you and I to step up as a Barnabas leader and place courage where there is none, to speak life over them, to speak the promise of God over them, to let them know that if God is for you, who can be against you, that no weapon shall prosper over your life, that God goes before you, he's around you, he's behind you, he's beside you, he's with you. Come on, you need somebody in your life to be a Barnabas.
You need somebody right now in your life to lift you up. And so I just came. I need to encourage somebody today. I need to let you know that you will be encouraged, not just because of a pastor, but because of Jesus. You need somebody to say, listen, you have a God who loves you. You me tell you how this is so awesome. I read it, John 15. It says that Jesus said when they were discouraged that he was leaving, he says, don't be discouraged. I'm gonna send you an advocate. <laughs> that word advocate. And the word encourager is the same thing. Jesus says, no, no, no. I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna send you the advocate, the paraclete. I'm gonna send you the helper. I'm gonna send you the encouragement. And here's the thought process. I'm gonna send you someone who is gonna walk with you and do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Anybody thankful for Jesus? Anybody thankful for the Holy Spirit walking with you? Come on. You need, you need a Barnabas. And then he says this, he says, and you must also testify about me. You've been with me from the beginning of my ministry. He looks at his disciples and he says, I sent you the encourager. Now it's time for you to encourage people and start testifying about the goodness of God. Here's what I'm gonna tell you. You did not just come today to get encouragement. You came to be an encouragement. That when you make the resolution that when people walk away from my life, they will be encouraged. They will be encouraged because my God encouraged me and he wants to encourage you. I just believe today that some of you walked in with a heart of stone, you're gonna get a heart of flesh. You, you, you walked in with the wrong spirit, a critical spirit, and God is gonna give you a new spirit. You walked in with one name, now God's given you another name. You walked in as Joseph, now you're called Barnabas. You walked in as Saul, now you're called Paul. You woke in, walked in as broken, now you're called complete. You walked in as hurting, now you're called healed. Come on, somebody, y'all stand to your feet. Y'all better worship Jesus today, come on. Let's give him some praise where he deserves it, amen. Like he wants to change your name. He wants to change your identity. Like you, you came in not knowing God, but now you can know God and he's gonna give you a new spirit and a new identity to walk and do what he's called you to do. And so I wanna pray for you. Father, thank you for the people in this room. Thank you for those who are watching online. God, I pray that they would be encouraged in every person they cross, every conversation they have. They determine today there's going to be a shift in their leadership, a shift in their spirit, and they will declare, I don't care who it is, they will be encouraged by the Spirit of God that has encouraged me. Today, if you walked in with a heart of stone, I want to give you an opportunity to have a heart of flesh. If you walked in with the wrong spirit, today I want to give you the opportunity to receive the Holy Spirit. Not about you, it's about Him. And so, Father, I pray for those who've never given their life to you, who thought they didn't need help. But thank you for sending us help anyway to save us from our sin. Paul says in Romans that anyone who confesses with their mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead, they will be saved. They'll be given a new heart and a new spirit, a new identity. They'll be called child of God. Today, God, I wanna give people the opportunity. So would you do the saving work only you can do and if that's you today, I want you to pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, today I give you my life. Save me. Give me a new heart and a new spirit and help me follow you. I believe you're the way, the truth, and the life. Surrender it to you. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. Can we all encourage some people today who made that decision? Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email 
stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church/give. Have a blessed day.